Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh, clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. If you're looking to throw some optics on your turkey gun this spring, look no further than the Vortex Defender ST. This is the red dot we're going to be running this season. We're excited about it. This thing's built like a tank, super lightweight, super long battery life, everything you need in a good turkey red dot. And if you want to get a discount on that red dot or any other Vortex Optic, go to eurooptic.com and use the code SGN10 to get a discount. That's eurooptic.com, code SGN10. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar. May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you. And we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. Welcome back, everybody, to another Friday Breakdown edition of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. we got a special one for you this week. We're covering an interesting topic, uh, the topic of silencers, suppressors, whatever you want to call them, with Brandon Maddox of Silencer Central. Brandon, how are you? Great. Thanks so much for allowing me to be a part of the program today. Oh, we're glad to have you. We're excited to have this conversation. This is a really fun subject. Uh, Jacob, how are you doing over there? Oh, doing well. I'm just giddy with the conversation. <laughs> just excited, just excited <laughs> to be here. Brandon, so I had found out about you guys and your company, I think from a advertisement y'all had on the Meat Eater podcast a few years back. And at that time, was in the market for looking through some, uh, for a suppressor. And long story short, finally purchased one and purchased a Bandage uh, 30, uh, which hopefully should get here sometime this spring from you guys. But before all of that, when it comes to suppressors, I think somebody, so many people will look at this conversation as in 
either they're coming out like they're educated they probably have already purchased one potentially or they've been in the market or just wanting to learn more about you know why someone would have a suppressor but also the ins and outs of the purchasing process which i think is super overwhelming when someone goes to their local you know gun store and asks you know about like how do i purchase a suppressor and they start trying to walk you through the, the forms and it's a little overwhelming because I, I had done that previously before and it, i thought it like eh, i'll just hold off and, and wait so to kind of kick us off, Brandon, real quickly, can you talk about just what is Silence for Central if somebody isn't familiar with y'all's brand and what y'all actually do there? Yeah, good question. So um, Silence for Central, we've been doing it since 2005. Um, we're based in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which I know is a long way from Alabama, even though that's I was born in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have locations in all 42 states where suppressors are legal. And um, I guess our claim to fame is we do the paperwork for you and then we mail the suppressor to your front door. A little bit different business model where our whole goal is to sort of take the burden of the paperwork and take it off the customer and put it on us, the dealer, and then uh, sort of execute everything so that it kind of happens and then it just shows up at your front door. So obviously I'm oversimplifying it, but it's kind of our claim to fame is being licensed in every state where we can process it no matter where you live and then just ship it right to your front door. Yeah, and that's see you, see you hear that especially if you're not familiar with this process or familiar with your brain you're like that doesn't even sound legal like how is that even being know, done because that's what I had heard when I had heard the uh, original ad on Meteor's podcast about you guys and I was like how is that even like possible because you're like <laughs> you know you hear about all this kind of the regulations and the paperwork and you're like okay that's interesting and we're going to get into that probably a little bit later on in this episode of, of kind of what that process is like um, but it's been amazing again from when I had purchased a, uh, a suppressor from you guys this past summer and again we don't have any affiliation with you guys but just from working with you guys previously um, and, and then kind of you know purchasing a, a, a suppressor through you guys it's been interesting kind of see the hands-on uh, approach you guys take from your in-house sales reps that you have kind of indoors, which has been fascinating um, to kind of answer a lot of these questions because there's stuff we're talking about today, like the trust versus having it like in your own person and kind of what that consists of. Um, and again, I had no idea what a trust was. I was like, why do you even need a trust? And, and, and your boy, Mike, uh, walked me through it. And it was, I was like, okay, <laughs> this makes a lot more sense now. Um, but it kind of Bring us back a little bit. Can we talk about like what is a silencer? What is a suppressor? And, and the applications for why someone would may even want to have one, especially from like an outdoorsman hunter, you know, perspective. Yeah, totally. So, you know, think of a suppressor as um, reducing recoil. So sometimes I mention that first because I sometimes forget to mention it. So it's going to reduce your recoil the same as a muzzle brake would. So kind of that 40 to 45% range, which so you're not really losing anything if you take the brake off. And then the other one is, um, you know, it helps your accuracy. You have a little extra weight on the end of the barrel. You're not getting as much recoil and jump. So typically you'll shoot more accurate. You'll see more consistent shots. And then, of course, the thing most people think about is the sound mitigation. Most suppressors on the market are hearing safe. So if you wear that, you typically don't have to wear any uh, hear plugs if you're out shooting or even hunting, which is, you know, nice. Typically, people will hunt socially. So to be able to talk to the person next to you and be able to hear your environment is a big deal. And then just from the application standpoint, um, you know, specifically for hunting, a lot of people like it because, you know, if you were to miss, um, 
the animal typically is not scared off because they can't tell where it came from. They may hear it, but they don't, they aren't scared. And then also if you're hunting with someone else and they want, you know, they want to hunt that same area after you shoot and, you know, harvest your animal, then they may want to shoot too. And you don't have to go relocate and find another place to go to. Um, and then even like the predator side, you know, a lot of guys uh, out here in the Dakotas, the question I always ask is if you call in, three coyotes how many of those coyotes do you want to kill and the answer is four so you know the suppressor <laughs> sort of helps that as well yeah no you're, you're spot on there and one thing i think we ought to mention early on is when someone hears the the term suppressor silencer which actually real quick do you like to use the term silencer or suppressor and, and you know i that's a good question i try to use them interchangeably so what we find is if people search google it's like, you know, 10 times the one, if someone's searching for the, this product, they search silencer. Once they use it and they bought one, they'll call back and say, I want to order another suppressor. So it's interesting how, so technically it's not silent. So people, you know, they want to fight you over that, but it's like the guy that invented it, he calls it a silencer. The ATF from a regulatory standpoint, they call it a silencer and our new customers, which is typically what we're focused on, call it a silencer. So it's not until after they use it or they want a second one, they call it a suppressor. So I try to use them sort of interchangeably just because some people get kind of wound up if you just say one or the other. That's what I found. Uh, we mentioned this earlier before we started recording, but uh, Andrew's cousin, uh, Adam Johnson from NFA Review Channel, um, at least from back when we went to one of his shooting events where he had a bunch of suppressors, a bunch of manufacturers came out, and it, it, was, yeah. a, it was a good time. We went to some media. Uh, a lot of those people did not like you calling it silencers. So <laughs> they're like, it is a suppressor. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I got yeah. beat in my head uh, back then. <laughs> it, but I wanted to bring that up because a lot of people think if I buy a suppressor or a silencer it's going to completely silence the gunshot and you're talking people using supersonic ammunition they're not using subsonic for hunting um and some people are kind of if they haven't watched videos or anything actually like kind of or gone and shot one shot a a rifle with you know said suppressor you're trying to purchase sometimes they're a little underwhelmed if they had the assumption that it's going to be dead silent especially shooting supersonic ammo in a you know big bore rifle so what what is your take on that when you're talking about the educational process of you know, what to be prepared for when you're shooting, but also just how much fun it is to shoot when you actually do have a suppressor on that rifle. Yeah, you know what? Because it is funny, you're right. Everyone has different perceptions of what they think it'll be. And some people are using a pistol, some use rimfire, some use bigger, you know, uh, center fire. Um, you know, we tell people, hey, you're still going to hear it. And, um, you know, I, it's weird because, like, I, I, the business started, I worked gun shows. So um, the good thing about a gun show is you're going to talk to somebody typically once they buy it and then all the way through the process, they're going to give you feedback. And I can honestly say, I can't remember anyone who bought a suppressor silencer for hunting who didn't come back and say, gosh, I wish I'd done this 10 or 15 years ago. It's like a hundred percent, you know, rate. You have about 10% of people that buy them and it's almost like wearing a class ring from high school. They feel important that they went through the process and they never use it. But the 90% of people who do use it, they're like, man, I love it. I wish I'd done it, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. And it is a bragging thing, right? Tell their friends, Hey, come check this out. Come listen to this. And then it does get more people interested in them. Cause I would say that's the number one thing for us is just a referral. Like they, their friend used it. And they talked about how great it worked, and then they call us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I want to talk about, and I know Andrew's got a ton of questions here, but I, I want to talk about when it comes to suppressors, I, I've heard uh, 
different people's takes on, on suppressors or silencers when it comes to overall accuracy. You're talking about it actually helps with accuracy. And I've heard on the flip side from other people, not maybe so credible, they're like, oh, it, they felt like it hurt accuracy. What, what is your take on that? And also, what could cause someone to see loss of accuracy with a suppressor when it comes to like, the threading uh, of, say, that threading job of that rifle? Yeah, good question. So, you know, obviously accuracy is a measure of repeatability. So if you can put a bullet on top of a bullet, then that's accurate. Um, you know, just remember that the hole through the silencer is bigger than the bullet. So nothing's touching. Um, so, you know, the video games, I guess, will show that it slows down the bullet. And I think that gets in some people's head, but it actually speeds it up. It's almost like having a longer barrel. So from an accuracy standpoint, the only time I've ever seen it hurt accuracy is like you said, if it's not threaded correctly. And when we first started doing this, that was a big deal. That was like a number one reason for warranty claims. People would send them back and say, it's hurt my accuracy. Or basically what happened was it wasn't getting threaded properly in the, the seat where the silencer would sort of direct thread and screw to the shoulder of the barrel the barrel wasn't straight and then they would, it would be touching in there. Even if they would look and say, ah, oh, it's not touching any baffles. Typically it was whether they realized it or not, it might just been so small of a spot that it would, it would take their accuracy off. So if, if someone's shooting and for some reason they're having some kind of crazy accuracy, almost a hundred percent of the time it's threading. Um, I've seen some people say like some balancing issues if they're, you know, trying, if they've got some kind of issue with that, but almost I would say 100% of the time when someone said, my rifle is not accurate, they would send it back to us. We would rethread it, make sure everything was squared and straight, and then it was fine. So, yeah, I, I can't think of any reason why someone would have, um, you know, accuracy problems. You know, just having that extra weight on the end of the barrel, too, almost works like a bull barrel. So it kind of stabilizes it so you don't get as much jump. So that's how most of the experts will explain it. It's, it's not the silencer itself. It's the weight on the end of the barrel holding it down that's helping the accuracy. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I hadn't heard about the whole, um, uh, I guess, threading job that maybe like a local gunsmith could do uh, that could throw off the um, the accuracy until I was kind of listening. You were talking about that in another interview, and I'm like, that makes plenty of sense. Like, you get you know some local gunsmith to you do it. Nothing against them. Maybe it just it wasn't exactly shouldered or, or uh, you know squared uh, with that job. And next thing you know, you put that suppressor on there, which again is, is lengthening that barrel, you know, seven to nine inches. And next thing you know, you're getting a, a very light uh, baffle strike, uh, which again, is maybe yeah. not catastrophic, but it's one of those things you're like, why is my, why am I, you know, shooting a five inch group at a hundred yards when before, you yeah. know, shooting half MOA. So um, that is something that's super interesting. I never thought about that. Uh, but again, it makes plenty of sense when it comes to real world application of the product. Yeah. And, you know, it sort of forced me into the getting a CNC lathe. So we thread barrels here. So we, you know, if someone needs a barrel threaded, we set them an empty gun case, they put the rifle in it. We pay, you know, FedEx ground to ship it here. We thread it and ship it right back to you. So it, and the main reason was just the warranty issues. People thought it was a suppressor. And then what we found was it's, you know, almost a hundred percent of the time it was the, it was the rifle itself just wasn't threaded properly. And I think there's a lot of manual lays out there and with a CNC, it kind of helps, you know, conform that accuracy precision. Well, Andrew, I've got to ask, what, what, what are some questions you got? Because I know you got a ton of them here. So I, I want to back it up a little bit. I want to go back to the actual buying process. So sure. a, a little more background kind of on me on this subject. This is something that, like Jacob mentioned, I've got a cousin who's got a big YouTube channel. It's called NFA Review Channel. His name's Adam Johnson. Y'all should go check it out, uh, especially if you like gun, if you're a big gun guy. He, he, he runs an excellent channel. 
And since like 2009, he's been doing a lot of suppressor videos on there, um, but mostly reviews um, and comparisons and stuff. And uh, and so I I kind of got exposed to suppressors through him, and and him just from basically kind of like a fun gun standpoint, home defense stuff like that. Uh, he's not really a hunter or anything, but yeah, you know, I've gone shooting with him and experienced suppressors, and they're a lot of fun. And there there w- did come a time, especially now that I'm a little bit older, where I'm like, man. It would be nice to have a suppressor for my actual deer rifle because, you know, maybe I'm only shooting it a couple times a year, but especially with a muzzle brake on it, I mean, it is loud. And over the oh, yeah. years, you know, I'm going to end up being my grandfather one day and I'm not going to be able to hear, you know, from somebody across the room. <laughs> so I want to protect my hearing, but I don't want to wear ear protection, you know, like when I'm deer hunting, like it ain't happening. I ain't wearing hearing protection, yeah. you know, and, and I'm that yeah. guy. I go out there and I'm. I, you know, shoot every single year without ear protection. Um, and, and it's going to catch up with me one day. But now, you know, my wife's getting more into hunting. We have a daughter on the way right now. And, you know, in the next couple of years, she's going to be getting into it. I'm like, you know what? I don't want to screw up her ears, you know, when she's like 10 or whatever. So I, I know that suppressors are in my future because it's going to be like a, it's going to be something that, that I definitely want to get my hands on. Um, one thing about my cousin Adam he explained to me, you know, the process of buying a suppressor. And to me, it was honestly like very confusing and seemed very challenging because it's not like you just walk into a gun store and buy one and walk out. So can you explain kind of the regulations around actually buying one and what it takes to get one? And then maybe y'all's process compared to other people's? Yeah, sure. Good question. So um, the best analogy I've come up with is it's analogous to say buying a truck. So when you buy a truck from a dealership, they're going to have to transfer the title of ownership through the state to you as an individual and the local, you know, courthouse is going to charge you a fee to do that. So very similar to getting a suppressor, it's essentially changing the title of ownership. So the feds have us at Silencer Central and our EIN number holding title to the suppressor. And in simplest terms, we're asking them to retitle the ownership from us to you. And then the ATF will do a background check to make sure that you can legally own and possess a silencer suppressor. And they charge a one-time $200 tax stamp to do that. And then when it's approved, it comes back to us. And then we transfer it to you the same way you would any other firearm, like a you know handgun or long gun to do the 4473. So essentially it's just asking the federal government to retitle it. You know, the question is why does it take so long? You know, they have like 35 employees doing 800,000 of them a year. It's just, it's just bad math. You know, it's just, <laughs> Oh my gosh. I didn't realize yeah. that. I didn't realize it was, it was, I knew it was a long wait period, but what, what's like a typical waiting period if you were going to buy one? You know, when I first started doing this, it was two weeks during the Obama, and that was in 2005, when the Obama administration started changing some of the rules around the trust, they got up to a year and a half. Um, you know, it's always hard for me to guess, but I would say right now we, we're telling people anywhere from like 8 to 10, so it could be less, could be more. You know, one thing that has changed recently is the feds went to an all-digital process, and you ask like kind of how we differ from other people. You know, most people hopefully have migrated to this, but we capture all the customer's information digitally. Then we upload it to the ATF website, and then when they approve it, we get an email with an approval, so they don't have to mail us anything. Um, and that that definitely streamlines the the process too to do everything digitally, capture it digitally. It kind of goes through our system digitally, and then just upload it in the format they want it in. And then when it's approved, just you know alerting you and then mailing it to your front door. That that is okay. That's interesting. And kind of the other uh, side of that, which we mentioned a little bit earlier, but didn't really go deep on it, was the whole idea of a trust. 
And that's another yeah. thing that my cousin Adam, you know, he was up here and we were shooting one time and uh, I think he had a suppressor on a rifle. And we, I was talking about like, man, this would be awesome for deer hunting. And actually the game warden was there and he was arguing with us about it because he's like, no, I don't want people to be able to use these for hunting. Because I think at the time you couldn't use them in Alabama. Uh, and that recently got changed. And uh, he was like, yeah, you know, you'd have to get a trust, this and that. Can you just explain the whole idea of a trust for a suppressor and, yeah. and what it's for and, and how you get one? Yeah, sure. So, you know, at Silencer Central, we give everyone a trust free at no charge just because we feel like that's really the best way to buy a suppressor. And the reason why is it just allows you additional flexibility once you possess it. So if you buy a suppressor underneath your own name as an individual, then no one else can really have possession of it unless you're actually there. So you mentioned your wife, you know, if your wife wanted to go on a hunting trip while you're out of town, she couldn't take it if it's in your name because it can't be in her possession. That would be the limitation of buying it as an individual. The other limitation of buying it as an individual is if you pass away, then uh, your loved ones have to do a form five to transfer that to somebody else. So it kind of creates two, having it as an individual creates two issues. One, uh, you can't share it and be your legacy and, and who you give it to when you pass away are limited. But if you'd go the trust route, think of the trust owns the suppressor. So the title of transfer goes from the dealer to the trust. So almost think of it as like a little mini company. The trust owns it, and then you're in charge of that trust. So you can add anyone you want who's 18 or older. They don't have to be 21, 18 or older who can legally own and possess a firearm. So you can put your wife on there. Uh, once your daughter gets to be 18, you can put her on there, and then these people could use it when you're not there. But more importantly, when you pass away, the trust still owns it and the people on the trust can still use it. And then also it'll spell out who gets it, you know, once you do pass away. So it solves two issues. One, trust allows you to share it with other people and it's sort of limitless. You can put as many people as you want, or it also um, creates a situation where you can pick who gets it when you pass away. Yeah. So are you, are you originally from Alabama? Oh yeah. So I created a, a gun trust with Bo Jackson, football, Auburn. My dad went to Auburn. So um, he can't use it in, in Chicago because everything's illegal that's fun in Chicago. So uh, he and I created a trust together. He's on the trust with me. So, you know, he, he can use it in places now where they're not, you know, where they may not be legal. So, you know, there's situations like that that work out where it's nice for people to be able to you know kind of joint ownership of something it's kind of cool that you know he's got to call me when he wants to play with his toys so <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome man and more eagle by the way when you think turkey calls think of houndstooth houndstooth game calls is a company based right here in alabama actually based out of tuscaloosa and they have been making some of our favorite turkey calls since 2012 y'all head on over to their website see what they got they got a little something for everybody they have a huge selection of different mouth calls different cuts different read configuration i like to go on there and get five or six different mouth calls and just run them see which ones i like the most you know some days i might like the kb hen some days i might like the ghost cut some situations i might like the country girl call you know that i can cut on really hard where on other situations I might like the all pro that I can get a little bit softer on. Bottom line, there's something for everybody and something for every situation and hey, you can get 15% off of your order at Houndstooth Game Calls by using the promo code SOP24 that's SOP24 use that promo code it'll get you a discount and it helps out the podcast. True Lock Chokes has been made in Georgia since 1981 
and offering a wide range of chokes, over 2,000 different chokes for all kinds of shooting activities. You might be wondering why you'd want to purchase a True Lock choke, and it's to improve your shotgun performance. Absolutely guaranteed. And as a great example, we have Andrew Maxwell here. And uh, Andrew, you've had some pretty good luck, again, kind of switching out chokes and trying out the Precision Hunter choke from True Lock. So, Andrew, what's been your experience so far? Yeah, I've, always, I've used the same choke for several years now. I never really thought much of it, and I got the True Lock choke in. I patterned my gun with the first choke at uh, 30 and 50, and then I switched to the True Lock and changed from 30 to 50. And the 50-yard pattern on my gun with the True Lock choke is unbelievable like everybody's jaws were dropping like when we were out there with mike and sam we were all super impressed i mean it's throwing a better pattern at 50 now than it was throwing at 40 before my old choke and andrew you're shooting the precision hunter choke from true lock it's a great option same chokes i have in my shotgun so guys if you want to give true lock a shot this spring you could head over to truelockchokes.com that's t-r-u L-O-C-K chokes.com. You can also use the promo code Southern at checkout at truelockchokes.com and save 10% on your order. Again, give TrueLock a shot this spring, especially if you're not happy with the performance of your shotgun and shoot with a more deadly pattern with TrueLock. How has the, the landscape of suppressors kind of changed over the last couple of years? Because it seems like they're, it's, it's getting more attention and more people are interested in it. Like we see a lot more people in our just circles in the in the hunting world who were either buying them or talking about buying them so like where did this come from because back when i was a kid especially it was like oh you see them in the movies or whatever but it's not something that people really talked about from a consumer standpoint and now all of a sudden they're kind of all over the place yeah so you know what's interesting to me is um i can remember when i first went to a show up in pierce south dakota it's uh um you know it's a great it's like a sportsman's paradise for hunting and I could just tell by the people that were at our booth looking at our products at that point when we first started, in my mind, most of the suppressors on the market were very tactically oriented. They were very, um, you know, sort of like, I call it like weekend warrior, ex-military or whatever. It looked like you just would put them on an AR and that's it. And I think that probably turned a lot of people off. So I think that one thing was typically they were only made to look tactical. So the hunter didn't necessarily see them as a benefit. The other thing is, um, years ago, everyone made them 100% out of stainless steel, and they're just too heavy. No one wanted to put that on the end of their, you know, firearm. So that's why you see, like, with our banish line, we, we typically use 100% titanium on everything just because it's so much lighter. No one wants to put something heavy on the end of their gun. The other thing is, um, I find, like, tactical shooters, typically their whole goal is hearing safe whereas the hunter wants it as quiet as possible. So it really is two different markets in my mind. And we've kind of doubled down on the hunting market at Silencer Central because that's our roots here in South Dakota with people shooting coyotes, prairie dogs, varmints. Um, and, and that's where our products have been really focused on too is how do we keep them super lightweight? How do we take them apart to clean them? And then also how do we make them super quiet? But I think the other thing that's made them really popular um, you know, there's a $200 tax to buy it. And I think just with inflation, you know, $200 is still a lot of money, but it's not as much as it was, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. And I think that what, like I said earlier, like literally a hundred percent of people that use them once they use them, I mean, they're hooked. It's, it's like, there's like three and a half million suppressors in America that have been made since inception. 
there's like 1 million people that own them. Like the average person owns three. They get one or they like one another one. It works so much better than they thought it would. You know, it's interesting. I went to that Buckmaster Classic that you guys have up there in Birmingham. Um, and it was when we first started. It was an excuse for me to go see my family in Alabama, obviously. But And I like catfish at that time of the year. But um, the problem was um, – you know, I, I was like thinking to myself, I've worked all these gun shows in the Midwest where it's coyote hunters and, you know, is it going to be the same sort of benefits to them? And are they going to think the same way? And it was a hundred percent spot on. It was like talking to the same people. They wanted it for the same reasons for hunting, just be able to hunt socially, be able to, you know, a lot of people too talk about, well, I, my neighbors say they don't mind if I shoot, but I never hear them shoot. So just sort of that, you know, all the benefits that we were seeing in the Midwest were the same benefits for the hunters there, say in, you know, in the Southeast. So I, I think it's just an awareness more and more people have started working with them. You know, a lot of companies have come out with them and then gone away or brought them out as part of a bigger company and then it fell apart. So I think that part of the struggle has been how does a normal firearms manufacturer work in a market that's like super different? That's why at Silencer Central, we focus solely on suppressors. That's all we do. Like just even from a compliance standpoint, we would get inspected by the ATF and, you know, we have a hundred thousand silencers sitting here and they did a full inventory and nothing was missing, but you know, we had, you know, maybe 10 firearms a, a day went out for gunsmithing for threading and one of them was messed up. It's just not our expertise. So we focus solely on basically all NFA suppressors. Yeah, and some of the stuff you brought up there is pretty interesting because I keep I keep bringing up my cousin Adam just because it's so applicable here. But you know, we went down to this big uh, this big meetup that he did one time. Um, he he actually puts on an event. It's called Suppressed Fest, and yeah, uh, yeah it's down there in Tampa, Florida. And uh, I think it was called that back when we mm-hmm. went. It might have been before that before he named it Suppressed Fest. But we went down there to it. And he does sections of the day where the entire range is nothing but suppressed weapons, and it's awesome because you don't have to wear yeah. any you don't totally. have to wear any hearing protection, totally. man. And you're walking around. There's like 40 people up on the line shooting guns, and you're I'm sitting here talking just like me and you were talking, and and it's nice. And you know, for like you said, a social hunting standpoint, like Jacob and I, we hunt together obviously a lot. We film hunts together, and we were actually cool. just. Uh, we we, we could have used we could have used a suppressor in this last hunt. Oh yeah, I don't <laughs> want to talk about. It. I you know I shot m- more times than I should have. <laughs> oh, dear. But yeah. yeah, I mean it, it. It definitely. I mean, it's extremely useful. So I mean, uh, I'm glad to see it getting more popular and um, I guess more available to people because I feel like it's a lot more approachable than it used to be. I mean, now I can just Google something and and I've got tons of options and, and there's companies like y'all out there. Where you can have it actually shipped to your house, which is super interesting. And did did you cover that earlier? Like, how are you allowed to actually send it to your house? Because I was under the impression that you had to go through an FFL and you had to like go pick it up at a gun shop or something. Yeah. So, um, you know, we have a federal firearms license in every state where they're legal. So both of y'all are residents of Alabama. So, um. The way the federal statutes are written, it says that if though if no background check is required, you don't have to meet face to face. So we we do the forty four seventy three with you digitally, like via DocuSign at the end of the process. And then once we get that, it allows us to mail it to you. So we still do the forty four seventy three, the same you would do if you were to show up live. But the way the federal statutes are written, it says if no background check is required, then you don't have to show up live. You don't have to be face to face and no background check is required on a suppressor because the FBI does the background check for the ATF before they approve it. Okay, I got you. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty slick. Pretty slick huh? Yeah, not going to lie. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a, so, 
You know, what's interesting is ATF said at one point they were getting about 300 calls a week asking how I was doing that. When I first started promoting it, they said it was like their number one call, like, you know, single thing people were calling about. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I'm saying there, I've got so many questions here. Some of it will totally get us off the track of just suppressors. I was fascinated with a couple of interviews you've done about your relationship with uh, the uh, ATF and, and the meetings and everything. I thought was very interesting. I don't know that our audience probably wouldn't care all that much about it, but it's just fascinating, like that overall working relationship with uh, you guys and them on, um, you know, doing a lot of this because a lot of this is kind of groundbreaking. Yeah. You know, I, so I know probably everyone listening to the podcast thinks the ATF's eagle and oversteps their bounds, and I'm I'm not outside of that realm. I, I agree as well, but I accepted the fact that the ATF has a monopoly on interpreting the rules, so I might as well sit down with them. And, you know, if you think about silencers, the, the laws are written in 34, and if you think about regular firearms, the Gun Control Act was written in 68, so there was really no fax machines or computers then. So it's been helpful to sit down with them and say, hey, you know, how do we take the laws that were written and make sure that we follow them, but how can we create a process that we both agree meets your requirements, but also will help our customers and our business. And some of those discussions are quick and take weeks, and I've had some take years, but it's always benefited the customer where we've created processes where it might make it easier for them to inspect me, which we're fine with, we're transparent, but also it makes it easier for the customer. So it's, you know, even, even though it sounds hard to say that we've had a really good open working relationship, I would say it's a professional working relationship where there's a mutual you know, mutual understanding and respect where they want to understand or know what I'm trying to accomplish. And I want to understand and know what they need me to follow. Yeah. You know, one thing I've been curious and talking more about is, um, the, the buying process when it comes to like someone wanting to purchase a suppressor through you guys. So one of our other partners, uh, on X, uh, I know has a, a opportunity with you guys where, you know, if you're on yeah. elite member, you get, I think six payments, you can break the whole suppressor up and everything into like six payments and you can pay it, you know, bi monthly or however you want to get structured, uh, or monthly payments, which is awesome. Cause that's something I did early on. Cause first off I found that out and I was like, okay, this is easy enough. Um, but also, it seems like y'all are pretty flexible with people of, again, let's get the process rocking and rolling because it seems like when everything's approved, they're ready there to you know pay off whatever that balance is and, and get it in their hands as quickly as possible. Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, you know, how that started was I had a guy that worked for me that had come from a pawn shop, and he said, man, 80% of our people in the pawn shop business – come back and pay and pick their stuff up. He's like, your customers are really good customers. You should look at something like that. So, you know, our business model is unique in that we are a manufacturer, we're a wholesale and we're a dealer. So we have that product, we're like your single point of contact. So we let people pay while they wait. You know, sort of the secret is if you call and say, hey, I wanna pay a, a you know eight month payment or 10 month payment, we totally work with you. And the reason why is I started doing that at gun shows because the, the number one, you know, the, the joke I say at gun shows is if you buy a $400 Yeti cooler, your wife's going to yell at you when you get home for spending that much money at the show. But if you bought a, you know, seven, $800 suppressor and you showed up with nothing, you're in worse trouble. So um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's an easier discussion to say, Hey, why don't, you know, the guy will show up at a show. He's like, my wife will kill me. I don't have any money. It's like, dude, why don't you put a hundred bucks down a day or 150 or 200 or whatever you have 
let's get it started. We'll submit the paperwork. We'll spot you on a tax stamp and then just pay while you wait. We don't charge any interest or fees or anything. It's just, I feel like it's sort of a nice, uh, Hey, I, we're in the boat too. I don't like paying, you know, I'm paying half a million dollars in insurance on all of them sitting here. I want them out of here as quick as possible too. So yeah, people love that. I think that it's just that spirit of, Hey, we're in the boat with you. We're not, no one's trying to screw you. You know, we'll do all the paperwork and submit it. And, and if for some reason you don't pay, then we'll just resell it to somebody else. But everybody pays when they hear it's approved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially, especially, you know, you're, you're talking to a, a clientele or customer base that understands there's a wait, pr- there's a process here. It's not yeah, like something you totally. buy today, you get tomorrow. Yeah. So those people totally. are like not only financially invested, but they're emotionally invested in this wait period. That's how yeah. I am right now. I'm like, let's, yeah. you know, when it gets here, dude, yeah. I'm going to be so excited. But, uh, <laughs> but it's like, I feel like most people, especially like I've got my brother who owns Espresso, then one of my uncles owns a couple as well. And it, everybody I've talked to that's bought one, that's kind of like their whole mindset. It's like, as soon as it gets here, it's like, look what I got. We got to go to the gun range. We got to go shoot. Yeah. yeah, I think that's excitement behind it. Definitely with that customer base. I can see how that business model would work just because, again, someone's not going to put even put down a couple hundred bucks on something and wait eight, nine, ten months to not come and pick it up. Okay. Yeah. Or, totally. or, or yeah. not have it paid off so they can get it. Yeah. Totally. Uh, so that, that's super, super interesting. Um, Brandon, I've got to ask. So we hunt a lot of different places across the Southeast and across the country nationally uh, and doing yeah. travel hunting trips. Um, I'm curious on the, the, the travel requirements or regulations. If we were going to go hunt, say, in Wyoming or Montana, what does it look yeah. like, especially whether you were driving or flying when it comes to the legality of traveling with a suppressor? Yeah, good question. So, you know, you're lucky pretty much everywhere on the way from Alabama to Wyoming is going to be a free state, so you don't have to worry. But, um, you know, it's interesting because there, there's a process if you own a short barrel rifle or if you own a machine gun or a destructive device or any other weapon, those are all underneath the National Firearms Branch where suppressors and silencers are. But for a silencer, you don't have to let the ATF know when you travel state, when you go across state lines. So there's no, there's no paperwork to fill out there. Um, you know, and the suppressor silencers are legal in 42 states and 41 of those states you can hunt in. Um, the only state you can't hunt in where they're legal is Connecticut. And I always say who would want to hunt there anyway. I, I'm, it's just a joke because I've never tried to hunt there. So I don't know if anybody would want to or not. But um, you know how it is growing up in the South. You think about Connecticut. No, I'm not going up there to hunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, yeah, but no, you don't, you know, it's, it's always a good idea to carry your paperwork with you. There's, um, there's sort of this, like, uh, technically it's a tax return. I mean, you paid a $200 tax stamp to get that. And all those laws that manage these suppressors are underneath the tax code. So it's truly a considered a tax return. So technically the only person that can ask to see that is an ATF agent, like on the criminal side or even a treasury agent. So even if a game warden said, I need a proof of ownership of that, uh, you could refuse to give that to them. I mean, I could see them wanting to see the serial number so they could check to make sure it's not stolen. But because it's a tax return, you know, your privacy is protected there. That's why you'll see that ATF makes available every FFL in America through like a, a FOIA request. You can see it online, all the FFLs, but you'll never see a list of the people that can sell silencers because that's all underneath the tax law. Um, you know, if you drive through a state where they're not, not legal, that could be a problem. Um, you know, I know there's some federal laws where if you have it locked up and it's in your trunk and your truck's, your trunk's locked, you're fine. Um, that's what I've done now flying, you know, it's interesting. So, um, whenever I get to the airport, I tell them I have a suppressor and I said, some people consider firearms, some don't. 
and they have a form you fill out that same as if you were traveling with a gun saying it's not loaded. They usually put that in there. I lock it. Like I went to Africa in May and I just put it into my uh, checked luggage and that's all I did. And because when I talked to the ATF, they said the only regulations they have if you leave the country is you have to be able to prove to customs that you left with that thing. So it's sometimes good to have your paperwork to show them proof of ownership if they asked. But you know, usually I just say, hey, I've got a suppressor. I, you know, I want to declare it. And you declare it just like you would a regular firearm. Um, just fill out the form. It's not loaded. Throw that form you fill inside it. They lock it up and then they check it. You just can't do it as a carry on. But it was pretty simple. You know, I did find out the other day, unfortunately, I was uh, in Salt Lake and I was chatting on the phone because there was no line at the airport like to check in and so I waited till probably about 40 minutes for my flight to check in. And they said that at least in that airport, you got to check in 45 minutes before the plane leaves with a firearm and you don't get on it. So I missed my flight that, you know, I got on the next one two hours later, but it was a good reminder for me. They've got some extra things in place for checking firearms. You got to get there and check it in just so that TSA has a chance to review it. And then also for to get put on the plane. Yeah, absolutely. Now I'm really curious also when we're talking about, you know, supersonic hunting ammunition um, in, in, you know, running it through, a, you know, a firearm that has a silencer or suppressor attached to it. When you're talking about the decibel levels when it comes to, you know, how much are we reducing? I know, you know, an easy example, a lot of guys hunt with like 308. Um, yeah. But when it comes to that safe hearing um, or, or I guess the getting it down low enough so, so it's safe hearing so you can shoot again without ear pro on, but also giving people a real-world application of if you've never heard a suppressor, because it's hard to wa- If you watch a video on YouTube, you're listening through headphones or whatever. Like It's still not nearly the same as you actually being yeah. there, physically feeling it, and hearing the shot go off. Um, what is the difference that you see between suppressed uh, supersonic ammo, which would be most hunting ammo, of course, and then if someone was, say, going to be hunting feral hogs down here in the south and they're going to run maybe a 300 blackout with subsonic ammunition through a suppressor? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the the decibels are always tough because it's like a, raw, a logarithmic scale. So you're right. I usually try to come up with um, something that's similar to it. So if you shoot a 308, it's going to be like 168 decibels with no suppressor. You put a suppressor on there, it's going to get it down to like 132, 135 decibels. So that threshold you want to be at is 140 decibels or less. So typically what I tell people is it's going to be quieter than a 22 rifle because a 22 rifle um, is going to be or is not hearing safe. It's in that 140s range, but it'll take it down to quieter than that. So typically, if I tell someone, "Hey, it's going to take a 308 to be quieter than a 22," usually like, "Wow, that's pretty impressive." Um, that's probably the best kind of like way to tell them. But of course, you know, if you use a suppressor on rimfire, it's even quieter. But to go to your question on the blackout, so of course the blackout, bigger bullet, less powder. So those are great for suppressing. Um, you know, on those, sometimes an AR application, it opens up. So you get a little bit more noise coming out the side versus if you use like one of those AAC bolt action ones, um, bolts are always the quietest because it's forcing all the gas to go through the suppressor. Anytime it comes out the side, it's going to be like 122 decibels just coming out the side. But, um, yeah, you're going to be shocked at how quiet if you were to use a subsonic, uh, 300 blackout and a bolt action, you know, I used to shoot 22 uh, rim fires through an integrally suppressed barrel that was, you know, fully suppressed. I'd have to put oil on the bullet so that when it hit the paper, I could see it because you just hear the action. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's um, of course I you know I'm still an advocate for using you know full supersonic loads. We recently created a partnership with uh, Federal Premium Ammo, and you know, typically when we do live events. We try to bring the hottest stuff we can just so people get to see the true you know sort of effect of it. And then if anyone's not sold on it, usually you say, hey, let's just take 
take that off and let it shoot it again. You might've forgot how loud it was. Then when they do that, they're like, Oh man, that was louder than I thought <laughs> without one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was eye opening for us. When we went to uh suppress fest down in Tampa, um, there was uh Ruger was there and they brought a, I think they had just launched. It was like 2017 or it had just come out within a couple of years that uh Ruger American uh, ranch, um, 300 blackout, which is like a 16 inch barrel threaded bolt gun. And they threw that yeah. on there with suppressed with suppressed ammo, and we shot it when there was nobody else on the line. Like we just shot it, and it was when you shot that gun, you <laughs> turned and smiled at everybody behind you because we were yeah. in line. You ready to shoot? It <laughs> was ridiculous. It was so yeah. quiet. Like you hear totally. the ha- you hear the hammer drop, uh, trigger yep. mechanism, and then pretty much like you see some dust, you know, at the you know whatever paper you're shooting at, or you hear the steel ring. That's it. It was crazy. Um, yeah, we call it gig- giggle quiet, right? You just giggle when you <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm using that term from now on. Sure. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, so I want to, I want to get to like somebody like myself again, like I'm, I'm definitely in the market. I'm wanting to get one. I like, I've got a seven millimeter 08 that I'm going to throw it on. Um, what am I looking for with a suppress? Cause I mean, I, you'll go and kind of surf through the internet and kind of, you know, maybe yeah. not know what you're looking at if uh, if you haven't done a lot of research in the past. So, what are some things that that I should be looking for as I go to try to find a suppressor that to buy soon? Yep. So this weekend I worked the Western uh, Expo in Salt Lake, and that's probably the number one question. Um, and what I always remind people, and I would say most people that are sort of silencer naive, they don't realize that pretty much every suppressor in 30 cal you can use on 30 cal and less. So I think that's one reason why people don't get a suppressor because they're looking there, they look in their safe and they go, all right, I got 12, you know, 15 guns in here. I don't want to have to get a suppressor for every one of them. But once you can communicate to someone that you can get the same suppressor and put it, put it on pretty much everything you have. And it truly is a multi-caliber type suppressor. Then you see people's minds open up like, really, that'll fit on my 223 and my 7mm and my 6.5? I'm in. You just get this kind of like, oh, wow. Um, you know, for hunting, I always say try to find something as light as possible. You know, one that's really popular right now is a Banished Backcountry. It's only five and a half inches long, so it's it's really lightweight and it's super quiet. It's like hearing safe on a Remington Ultramag at the year. Um, that's what I would look at as something in titanium. If your goal is to use it for hunting, cause it just won't add that much weight to the end of the barrel. Also, um, you know, what's popular is the banish comes apart to clean. So a lot of people who are shooting a lot and getting carbon built up in there, especially like we were talking about a 300 blackout earlier, that's kind of a dirty round. So be able to take a suppressor apart in that 30 cal range and clean it, and get that carbon out is a benefit. Um, but no, I would look at lightweight. I would look at something that's quiet, but also look at something that's like multi-caliber that you could use on a lot of stuff. Um, you know, something that you could use on the seven and might be your high end and then something you could even use that all the way down to a two, two, three, or even a rim fire if it comes apart to clean. Okay. Interesting. Is, uh, now yeah. you said that like that bandage that you were talking about, it's like a five inch suppressor. Is there any difference, yeah. uh, between like length of suppressor versus how much it actually quiets that gun down? Yeah, you know, it does vary. And that, and that with that one, um, what our engineers did is make it a little bit fatter. So a typical suppressor in a 30 cal is like one and a half inch. I usually say it's like the size of a toilet tissue roll. Um, but the, the um, banished backcountry is a little bit bigger. It's like 1.6. So it makes up for the volume and the diameter. So then that's how you can make it a little bit shorter. 
You know, my experience is sometimes it's based on how many baffles you have in there. And if you look at that backcountry, it's got a lot of little tiny baffles in there that are all welded together. Um, sometimes you'll see a suppressor that's kind of long and it might only have three, three baffles in it and it might be loud. So sometimes it could be misleading. But typically, um, you know, if it's, if it's got enough baffles in it, it's going to be quiet. Um, we've got to talk about how suppressor works. I cannot believe we didn't uh, really go over this early, like the functionality of a suppressor and, and how it quiets. And you're talking about baffles, you're talking about the tube and everything else. Can you touch on this? On Again, like why does a suppressor do what it does is in, you know, reducing not only recoil, but also reducing the sound? Yeah. So if you think about a suppressor, think of it as like a lot of little individual chambers inside this tube. And the whole goal is it's trying to wick the gas off behind the bullet and it's moving it from chamber to chamber to chamber. And by it doing that, it pulls the heat out of the blast and it also slows that gas down. You know, I talked earlier, it does speed your bullet up. So when you use a suppressor, it'll speed your bullet up. So I don't want people to think that, you know, slowing that gas down means the bullet slows down. That's not the case. But just peeling that gas back off of that bullet going through there, um, it transfers the heat to the can. So the can gets really hot, but that's what's going to make it quieter when that gas actually exits. Um, there's a lot of engineering behind it. And what I found, too, is like, Sometimes you can create all these engineering models you think are going to work perfect, but a lot of it is just trial and error. So the goal is how do you get the gas to stay in the can for as long as possible so that when it comes out, it's it's slowed down enough, the gas, and it's wicked the heat into the actual suppressor itself. You know, you do see different materials work better than others, like typically titanium will get hotter quicker, but it's just wicking the heat out of the blast, and that typically can make it quieter, so that's sort of a benefit there. Um, but again, it's just sort of pulling that heat, pulling that gas off, chambering it, and it just slowing down the release of the gas with the gas coming out the front end. Now, I know you've hunted probably a bunch of different places across the, the country and across the world. Uh, one application I see this being extremely helpful for is if you're hunting, whether it's with another person, a child, uh, your wife, whoever, and you're spe- especially in the southeast and you're hunting in like a, a blind, a shooting house, uh, something that's got rigid structure on there, which anyone's ever yeah. shot a firearm out there, even though the, the muzzle, the barrel is outside of that structure, it echoes inside those structures. It, it can be extremely yeah. loud. Uh, it's not fun, especially if a kid, if a kid in there and it's their first time yeah. shooting. Um that's another real big, I think, benefit of having a suppressor on a, a rifle in that case that you know, you're not only helping with the recoil, but you're helping with that sound when you're in an enclosed environment like that, that really seems to amplify that sound in there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I remember the, I did a demo years ago for a guy and it was underneath one of those overhangs at a shooting range. And I thought, man, this is so loud. That guy's not going to buy anything. And he bought like four or five. And I told him after, after he handed me the check, I was like, man, I was a little worried. That's kind of loud. He's like, yeah, you should hear it without the silencer. It's crazy loud. <laughs> But you're right, yeah. those overhangs or, you know, shooting from any kind of blind or whatever, yeah, it just and that does help it. Just be able to bring down the recoil, too, helps as well. Yeah, I think that's also, you're talking about getting someone new into, say, you know, hunting for the first time or shooting for the first time. And, you know, everybody's so, um, you know, it seems like you have two different people's mindsets. You have somebody's like, okay, we're going to start you out with a 22 or, uh, you know, a 223, something like that. Uh, and kind of work your way up into a bigger rifle, or you have, you know, some parents and dads are like, oh, here's a 300 Win Mag, 12 year old son, go shoot it for the first time. And, you know, a lot of times. my dad. Yeah, a lot of times they're getting scoped and probably getting some stitches afterwards from that scope hitting them. Um, that did happen to me. Yeah. So I didn't get stitches, though. But I see this, again, from like a, you know, from a family perspective, or just introducing, you know, someone into hunting or shooting for the first time, just how much smoother that transition can be for them and give them more confidence to shoot it. But also, I really want to do this. We were talking about 
figuring this out, but getting some twenty two suppressors to do a film hunt squirrel hunting with 22 suppressed oh, yeah. 22s um and just like the camaraderie aspect of again that's a very social hunt but be able to stay yeah. you know extremely quietly but also document it just because it's something that you know whether you're taking a kid out you know tw- you know squirrel hunting with a 22 or taking a new hunter it just makes that you know whole hunt so much more i think uh appealing for him even though 22 is not very loud but it gets a little annoying after a little bit of shooting especially if you're shooting like a you know ruger 10 22 or something yeah um, them. yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely so um there's so many different applications for suppressors that i think when people like you said brandon that when they purchase for the first time and they get it they shoot it they're like oh there's so many different applications i can use this for and then it kind of you know expands it to you know maybe i want to suppress you know suppress for my pistol now um and then yeah. you know getting as extreme some manufacturers are making them for shotguns now which is kind of wild uh still don't yeah. under, i still don't understand the, the technical aspect of that especially if you're shooting you know not a slug but uh that is really interesting so it's got it's got the uh, salvo's got rails that are inside it that holds the wad together all the way through until it goes out. So it's yeah, it's it's it's, it's pretty cool. Gosh, yeah, it's crazy. Well, um, huh. Brandon, kind of get to a point here. I've got so many other questions, but again, some of them it's I know I know our audience and you they know they start a gun podcast. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, when it comes to again, we've talked about the buying process. We talked about you know kind of silence essential and the advantage y'all have with the, the banish system uh, and banish your banish line. I'll be honest, I'm very interested now especially with the new backcountry when y'all launched at this fall or whenever it was, that was after I'd already purchased my Banish 30. I was like, dang, I would, to be honest, kind of <laughs> rather have that because that's a pretty sleek little system. You know, five inches yeah. versus, you know, seven or nine Maybe inches. That's what I'll get. Uh, that's probably what you need to get. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but is there anything that we've missed here? Uh, kind of highlight kind of what y'all do or also just the overall, you know, landscape of suppressors that kind of give the listeners a really good idea if they are in the market. You know, again, some of the ins and outs of it. Yeah, you know, one thing I would recommend is, um, you know, if you have questions, just call. I mean, it sounds like you call and talk to Mike. I mean, we have a whole call center here, and that's all these guys do is hunt and shoot. So you can ask them pretty much any question you have because that's what we find at the shows. It takes about an average of 10 minutes for someone to get comfortable with, you know, us, what our process is, and then what is available. And it, that's the average time before they go, all right, let me get started. So sometimes that's hard to do on a website to get all the information you need. What we find too, is if a customer buys, they have a relationship with their sales guy, kind of like you do, they have a much better experience than if they just buy online. So yeah, I would say just call in, but really, if you think about Silencer Central, our insight was that people were not buying suppressors because of all the paperwork and sort of just the obstacles that were created. So it's how do we create a whole digital process where you can kind of really do anything from the comfort of your own house without ever leaving. And you can do all the paperwork digitally and we can just mail it to your front door. And if you need barrel shredded, we can do that. And we give you a free trust. And then, like you said, we let you pay while you wait. So there's a lot of things that, you know, we've tried to over the last 18 years, find ways to make it simpler. So if people are sort of on that fence, and that's what I find most people are, they're on the fence. They haven't gotten one yet. Um, Tell them, hey, just call us. Doesn't mean you have to buy one. At least you can just talk to somebody and figure out what, you know, you might be getting into and what might work best. And, and and even like the payment plan, you said, we're like super flexible. I mean, I tell the guys, hey, if someone wants one and it, they want to pay it in 10 payments, you know, 100 bucks a month, we're, we're, we're okay with that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I will say this, just with my personal experience, um, it is so simple, like the paperwork. And again, like Mike was the guy I worked with. I cannot remember Mike's last name. I need to look him up on my phone, but... <laughs> Literally, him call me, we schedule an appointment, and I work with him or someone else. If 
how to do the fingerprints, how to do, and there's, there's videos y'all send out with links with all the paperwork of like, you know, that kind of stuff that you have to do at your house, but everything else that's digitally signed through DocuSign, walking you through the process and really kind of holding your hand, which I actually yeah. liked because they, they weren't like offended or Mike wasn't offended when I asked him a ton of questions because I had a ton of questions specifically on the trust and the functionality of the trust and him kind of simplifying everything and explaining it um, was extremely helpful because again, from a new purchaser suppressor purchaser which i guess i don't know what the return is from like new customers versus you know um uh return customers for you guys kind of like what that balances out but you know 40 percent of our sales are repeat wow that's awesome it's crazy yeah so there's an incentive for us to keep you happy (laughs) (laughs) absolutely but it's like once you do it one time it's like now do it the second time i might do is cakewalk like it's so simple in that process but for the first time buyer again is this makes it so much more easier for you to go through that process you have someone there again i would highly recommend calling just because again like whether you talk to mike or any of the other uh the sales guys you know they have the background and experience to kind of walk you through because one question i had was i've got a christian mesa which is gonna be one of the main rifles i'm going to have the suppressor on i didn't know what the thread pitch was and he's like well yeah. let, let me look it up for you and literally we're on the phone he looks it up i tell him you know the model and, and like the the concept of the barrel he finds it and i think it was a uh, uh god i'm gonna botch it but five eights five, five eights eight by 24 yep yeah. and he's like yep boom i'm like cool because i that would i would have been stuck on that for an hour just trying to find the information because i'm on the website i can't find it and somehow he was yeah. able to pull it up so uh that was extremely helpful and again the customer service is uh is really what made the experience i think so Good. No, it's perfect. Yeah, awesome. it's good. Well, perfect. Well, yeah. um, Andrew, do you have anything else? No, that covers it for you, me. You, you can get Tiffany suppressor. Yeah, I think I think I'm gonna hang up here in a minute. Go ahead and grab that uh, backcountry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, I was gonna say he's gonna buy one for his wife, but really, it's gonna be him yeah, really, using ninety nine percent of the time. So yeah, let's just all be honest here. Let's all be honest here. Awesome. Well, share it. Well, Brandon, of course, if anybody wants to find out more, of course, they can call call you guys. But also, if they're gonna go to the website, what's the website again for everybody? And of course, if they yeah, want to follow, yeah, silencercentral dot com. Yep. Perfect. Awesome, Brandon. Well, thank you again for joining us. Uh, again, listeners, if you have any questions. You can check that out, uh, Silence for Central, out on their website. And, uh, guys, we'll catch you back here for next Monday's episode of the Southern Outdoors and Podcast. So, appreciate y'all joining us. Look, last summer, y'all heard us talk a bunch about the Mobile Hunters Expo. It was an incredible event. A bunch of you guys came out to meet us. We got to talk to, I don't even know how many listeners. If you heard all that last year and you were like, dang, that sounded cool, I should have went to that. Here's your chance. You need to make it to this one. It's June 28th through June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. All right, giving you a heads up here, so go ahead and mark it on your calendar. June 28th through June 30th, Dalton, Georgia is going to be the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. We're going to be there. A bunch of our past podcast guests are going to be there. There's going to be seminars. All of the mobile hunting companies are going to be there for you to try out gear before you buy it. It's like the one event of the year where all of the... The, like the mobile hunter ecosystem just kind of congregates in one place. And Chris and Josh and the guys have done an absolutely phenomenal job putting this thing together over the last couple years. And it keeps getting better every year. So like I said, make sure you come see us. We're going to have a gigantic stack of free stickers to give away to every listener that stops by the booth. And we're going to have merch there to purchase. We're going to be recording podcasts, shooting videos, all kinds of stuff. So like I said, don't miss it. You can head on over to the mobilehuntersexpo.com to look at show schedules and dates and go ahead and grab your tickets. So y'all go check it out at the mobilehuntersexpo.com.